This is Legal and Compliance Insights from Control Risks, the global specialist risk consultancy. This podcast is dedicated exclusively to providing you with illuminating analysis on legal and compliance issues faced by businesses around the world. I'm Charles Hecker, and over the coming episodes, I'll be speaking to our experts about litigation readiness, a crucial aspect of any business strategy, because disputes are becoming more dynamic in the wake of COVID-19. Today, we're going to be taking a closer look at one aspect of litigation readiness, and that's data analytics. Data analytics is an umbrella term for the technology-assisted processes and strategies used to gain a better understanding of the data involved in a legal dispute. We are very, very fortunate today to be able to invite two of our very own in-house experts onto the podcast. They are Al Park and Antonia Carlin. Al, welcome to the podcast. Jump in, introduce yourself, and tell us a little bit about what you do. Hey, Chuck. Great to be here. Again, my name's Al Park. I'm a partner with Control Risks and our global technology leader. I'm based in Washington, D.C. And I guess a little bit about my role is I promote the use and adoption of technology, including data analytics and visualization, really across all our consulting businesses. But specific to legal and compliance today and litigation readiness, you know, I would say, Chuck, that we're seeing a really high interest in the use of analytics in preparing for upcoming disputes and what they call big litigation. So really excited to be discussing this with you, Chuck and Antonia today. Antonia, we've never done a podcast together. Welcome. Say hello and tell us a little bit about what you do. Hi, everyone. My name is Antonia Carlin, and I am a principal and a head of technology project management. I'm based in New York City. My focus here at Control Risks is on assisting clients with managing their discovery obligations in the most effective and efficient way possible through the use of technology. I come from the law. I have a legal background, having practiced as an attorney for a number of years with a focus on e-discovery. And so I kind of bring that background to my discussions with our clients And I have both the technical background and the legal knowledge to really help them make good decisions about their matters from the onset. Before we get into the technical work and some of the expertise, let's start out with the human element for just a second. And I'm going to stick with you, Antonia, if you don't mind. And so what I want to hear from you first is about one of your most memorable experiences involving your work with data analytics. When you go through the projects that you've worked on and the assignments that you've had, which one of them jumps out as one of the most memorable? So I had the pleasure of working on a very large cross-border trial where we had really no option but to leverage the technology to its maximum capacity to help us prepare. Uh, We had millions of records. We had a very truncated timetable for getting done both of our reviews and preparations for depositions, getting all of our witnesses prepared. And so we came up with an extremely complicated, at least it seemed like at the time, protocol for getting a whole team of lawyers, I think upwards of 20 or 30, well-versed on how to use predictive technology to be able to locate the most important records out of millions and millions of documents we had in our possession. 
And what I distinctly remember is holding office hours on a daily basis. And that's exactly what we called them. We had office hours where people would stop by a conference room and we would just kind of go over algorithms and searches and how to really truly prepare for things. And we did really well. Everybody felt great about the outcome. And I got to then spend about, what was it, two full months living in Toronto for the trial. So the silver lining was I got a little bit of travel out of it. Ow. When you go back over your career, and I've known you for a while, so I know what you've been doing over the past few years. Tell me a little bit about what jumps out. Surprise me, Al. Okay, you wanted to be surprised, right? So let me let me tell you a story about archaeology. You know, when I started my career, Chuck, you know, in the late 90s, we were doing data analytics, but in a much more arduous way. And so so we had this one matter that is long since settled, but it was this mass litigation at the time involving the US government and Native Americans, very serious issue, tied to claims around basically the misappropriation of monies owed to them from the U.S. government's forced possession of their tribal lands. And there were these royalties owed to these Native American tribes going back to the 1800s. And the records, you know, they were just nothing like today. And the, the data challenge was really, okay, how do you calculate these royalties given all these successor over the years, family members, how much funds were owed, plus interest, of course. So he actually had to go and get, quite literally, Chuck, parchment paper. I'm talking dried out, yellow parchment paper from registry books. Some are about 200 years old. They're about the size of my desk from the National Archives here in Washington. And then we had to, we had to hand key them, you know, click, 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 click into the computer from these really old sort of musty almanac type books. It's literally like in the movies, you would pick a book up and you'd blow the dust with your mouth and a you know puff of smoke would come up. So this was, you know, way before cloud, AWS, AI, none of this was in, it was in sight. So I always think about, okay, you know, data analytics is sort of hard today, but it was sort of really hard back then. But I'm quite grateful that we now have these advanced tools. So when I start a new project, my joke is kind of, do I have to go to a basement like Indiana Jones and sort of going and finding relics to start? Let's at least Hope that the data is electronic now. I was totally getting this Raiders of the Lost Ark vibe. I was imagining you with this sort of with the hat and, you know, it's sort of Al Park starring in Raiders of the Lost Data. That's an amazing anecdote. That's fantastic. And, and I guess it really does point to whether you're working with historical documents or whether you're working with contemporary matters, the richness and the depth and some of the importance of what we're doing. Let's go into the who and the what of what exactly data analytics is, particularly in the litigation setting. So Antonia, I'm going to come back to you in New York. Give us the parameters of you know, the who's and the what's of data analytics. So analytics, I think when people hear that, they think of one specific maybe process or some sort of technological software. But the reality is that it's actually more of a bigger set of solutions that are available for legal use for the assessment of data in the discovery context. And it's better to think about it as just an overall strategy in a litigation or a dispute where the team can use analytics to manage the data more efficiently and to garner greater insights at a faster pace. Analytics, generally speaking, is available to help people find the broad strokes, patterns, and topics in a big stack of data. And so I guess the, the best way to think about it is when you think about big data, you think of that big haystack, you know, trying to weed out all the hay and really get to the meat of the problem. That's what analytics is there for. 
Uh, what's your experience been with analytics and how do you view the who and the what of what's going on these days? Yeah, Chuck, first, I'd agree with everything Antonio was saying. You know, I, I really think of it now as a discipline, which is applying data analytics. You know, that's sort of happening everywhere now. And the advancements in cloud technologies and really a focus on growing this capability by companies. I kind of say that it's more than just the science of analyzing raw data. There's now the art, if you will, of using data visualization with the advanced software, but really combining it with human expertise. And that's, I think, really expanded the critical adoption of data analytics into areas like complex litigation. We're prescribing the data analytics, and we're saying that it depends on large data sets. We use software applications, but then the statistics that Antonio was talking about. But then when you actually think about the realities of the business, there's just incredible human discretion, human experiences, creative interpretation to thinking about, okay, how do I make sense of all these signals, all these trends, or maybe those outliers? What are they actually telling me? What do they actually mean to me? And it's about making sense of, I think, not just the numbers of emails or communications and what the numbers are telling you, but it's also making sure you're just not even focused on the wrong set of facts or you're totally missing these anomalies. And that's, I think, what data analytics really does. It surfaces things to you that are not so obvious, that might be hidden, but become sort of revealed with analytics. What I really like about this is what we're learning across everything that we do at Control Risks, which involves more and more use of data all the time. And that is that there's information and then there's what you do with it and, and how you make it meaningful and, and how you make it strategic. And very much that combination of science and art Antonia, in litigation or compliance, when do you bring in the data analytics? Is it just during these large-scale document reviews that we hear a lot about with myriad lawyers charged with reading millions of documents? What's the when of data analytics? That certainly is the most popular image, right? You see a giant room of computers and, and lawyers furiously typing away, looking at page after page of important information. But I think if you wait until the review stage to really leverage the analytical tools available, and you've waited too long because there's an opportunity to utilize data analytics really from the moment that a lawsuit is initiated or even if from the moment that you even hear a lawsuit might be initiated. It's helpful at every stage. It can help with every filing activity in the work leading up to a trial. And as I mentioned before, even during trial and, and beyond. The analytical tools that we have can help teams determine everything from do we even have the right data, right? So we have forensic tools that allow you to take, for example, you can look at your mailbox and see, do we have all of your data? Have you been purging emails You know, in your spare time? Is there any data spoliation that we need to be concerned with, which is a, a very big issue in discovery proceedings? And so that's stage one, right? And from there, you can use analytical tools to take a large set of data and, and glean larger patterns and, and broad ideas about what you even have to deal with. Even before you start the review, the tools can help you categorize your data so that you can figure out that, you know, maybe you don't have to be doing expensive and costly reviews on everything that you have in your possession. And, you know, on the other side, you can use data analytics tools to help you prepare your trial strategy and your general understanding of the case with, with data that you are receiving from the other side as well. 
reviews these days also cover what we call incoming productions data that is being provided from the opposite side pursuant to their discovery obligations. And so you can use these tools to truly minimize the amount of work that needs to be done manually by human attorneys and instead apply the knowledge of the machine and the algorithms to give you the best and most important information right up front. Al, now that Antonio has gone through my inbox, this is actually beyond searching and reviewing emails and text messages, isn't it? It really is, Chuck. I agree with everything Antonio was saying. You know, it's just really incredibly useful in litigation like employee suits, white collar. You know, you're really looking for improper or, you know, illegal conduct, but that conduct might actually be seen not just in the emails that Chuck deleted, but, you know, in these business activities captured in SAP or SAP systems, ERP, these could be potentially falsified accounting entries. It could be expense reports that were improper. And then, of course, flowing up through the financial statements. And so I think this is where data analytics can really be useful when you actually look at business transactions, because you're using the same principles that Antonio was describing around data and collection analysis. But now think about instead of just your emails, how do you find the facts when you go through accounting records and expense reports? You talk about companies now, they have thousands or tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of employees. You can imagine how data analytics is really useful. You can't simply have a room full of a thousand people going through, you know, just they're not even in boxes anymore, right? They're not in those ledgers anymore. So if you if you talk about commercial litigation, another application I think is, you know, people are really focused on vendors and subcontractors, you know, kind of the same principle, You're using analytics to detect unusual payment activities or falsified cash transfers. Hopefully a lot of companies have good internal controls before litigation hits, which would be important. But obviously when it does hit, then it's best to know how to apply analytics when it comes up. Antonio, you said when you were up in Canada working on that case in Toronto, that time was really, really critical. So what do you do if you're in a really fast paced dispute? Is there enough time for everything you need to do? And how do you work the analytics in? I think analytics actually becomes even more important when time is of the essence, honestly, because you really don't have the time to add a human element to every single decision, every single point that you have to touch. And so with the right expertise, you can leverage technology and that would actually end up saving time overall because technology would allow for more information to be aggregated in a smart way. And then that information can be analyzed together as opposed to, as I was saying, individually, record by record coming out of you know boxes full of ledgers. And actually one thing that is very important in litigations and disputes that I do think people don't spend a lot of time on is that structured data, the transactional data, the records that are coming out of company systems on, a, you know, in employment situation, be it HR records, be it payroll records, transaction records on trades, banking records, etc. That's the kind of information that people do think, oh gosh, we don't really have enough time on that. Maybe we can take a sample. Maybe we can hire an expert to look at something. The reality is that with analytics, that data is a treasure trove of information and we have great tools out there that we can use actually to leverage that information. I think in, in fairness, as Antonio is describing, you know, more and more lawyers we talk to, chief compliance officers, they know that there's things like technology assisted review. They call it predictive coding, often at law firms, and that's specific to communications. But, you know, I really think if you look at the materiality of where the issues are, you know, I think about 80% of legal spend for entire companies, it's usually litigation related. And if you look at litigation, they usually say, well, how much of that cost is 
what we call electronic discovery. So all the sharing of evidence before you even go to trial, it's like 70%. Most of the spend is here anyway. And besides just even the documents, as Antonio was describing, you know, looking at computer forensics, looking at how you apply analytics there, again, the data deletion, the data that might have been lost, you know, those are really important because it basically can result in sanctions or maybe quite literally indictments can come down. People could quite literally go to jail. So these are really important issues because they're really court monitored, at least in the U.S., but I think in most jurisdictions, there's some procedures for sharing information. We happen to call it the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. That's really where analytics comes to the limelight as sort of being important to the whole life cycle of a legal case. And I think more and more clients are expecting to see that in all stages. Guys, one last question. So everyone, I think, you know, companies, law firms, organizations understand that it's really time to get on top of technology. And that it's really time to implement whatever is best in practice and state of the art. What are the hurdles and, and, and what are the obstacles? What's the best way to smoothly implement analytics in all the work that we're doing? Antonia, what are you thinking about this? In our business, we often hear, how long is it going to take? How expensive is it going to be to implement an analytical solution? Surely we're better off just going through it, you know, the manual way where everybody is familiar, everybody's comfortable. I think it's important to consider all the options in every matter. Not every matter is going to fit the same workflow. And, and that's where expertise comes in. And I think that's where we like to advocate for our experts to get involved from the get-go so that we can assist clients with making the right decisions on their data. I've worked on a matter where we had to look at both chat data for specific transactions. And then we would have someone look at the structured side of things to confirm what really happened. And then we had a third person whose job was to line everything up and make an Excel spreadsheet with all the information that then can be presented as a piece of evidence as to say, okay, this is what happened. That took hours. And it was a disjointed process involving many teams that wasn't time effective. It wasn't efficient. And it could have been done a lot better with better tools that combine the data in a more appropriate way that analyze the structured data for red flags and specific transactions that then flag those instead of going one way through, going the other way around. So maybe finding those suspicious transactions first and applying those insights through analytics on the, the rest of the data and coming up with a more cohesive picture. It actually sounds a little more daunting when you start talking about it, but it actually would have saved so much time and effort from the number of attorneys involved in the process that I described. And so this is what we advocate. We advocate to look at the case, look at the details, and look at what's the best way to approach it. And data analytics will have a positive impact ultimately at the end. It's an opportunity to provide a more complete picture than you would actually have through the normal channels. As we were saying all along, I think data analytics does require expertise and what we call technology know-how especially if you're talking about someone has to testify to those results. But you also need the right complement of attorneys, clients, and experts. It's kind of like a whole village, and people need to have a certain aptitude and knowledge about it, stay fresh on it. I got to really commend law firms. Some have really invested in this space and brought on their own experts, and I think that's terrific, and it really raises the overall water level of knowledge that's out in the industry. I think ultimately it's getting legal teams to help their clients go from sort of sampling 
and at the risk of missing critical documents to using analytics to do something that's much more comprehensive and accurate, but also you, you really, especially in these times, you're saving costs. It's kind of hard to argue with that, but it does mean you have to be focused on it. And look, I would say if you're still on the sidelines, you know, the global enforcement agencies all over the world, they're all over it. So they're bringing in data scientists. They're recruiting for master's programs. They're bringing in people from the cybersecurity community. They're bringing out investments in technology. Some are actually creating their own consortiums. They're preceding some of these technology tools by funding them. And so I think all these investments are happening and these are good things, but I don't think you can sit on the sidelines further. Something you really have to get around quickly. One of the best things about talking to experts at control risks is how much you learn from them. And I want to say a special thank you to Alan Antonio for guiding us through that process. Guys, huge thanks. Looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Thank you, Chuck. The pleasure was all mine. Thank you, Chuck. If you enjoyed what you heard today on Legal and Compliance Insights, make sure to subscribe. And be sure to subscribe to our other podcasts as well, such as The Global Insight, our fortnightly panel discussion exploring the impact of current issues on global business. All our podcasts are available wherever you listen. Just search for Control Risks. You can follow all of our analysis and find out how we're helping businesses build organizations that are secure, compliant, and resilient by visiting controlrisks.com. Thank you, and goodbye for now.